Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Good morning. Good to see you in church. You're here, which is important in so many distractions that we have. You're here. That is a big thing. That's not just a demonstration that Jesus is alive. It's a proclamation that Jesus is alive this morning. So it's, it's good to have you with us and great to see all that stuff around Madagascar there. Uh, we're not going to be there. We're away on uh, holidays for that dinner there. So uh, guys, have a great, great night together with, with all of that. We're going to love it. In fact, um, Krista and I, we're going we're gonna to shout our spot to anyone that can't afford to go or want to do that, our spot's going to be there so that um, someone can go along. So if you would like to go to the dinner and just have a nice dinner, uh, then please um, let them know at the information desk. And um, yeah, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do through that. Let me pray as we get into the word this morning. Father, I would ask now that you would really shift our hearts when it comes to such a familiar passage. And I can't do that on my own. We open ourselves up now to the way that you're going to be at work. I love that promise, Lord Jesus, that you say you're going to take what is yours and make it known to us right now through your Holy Spirit. So I would ask that you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's the last week of our family meeting. Family meeting. That's what we've been having for the last five weeks. Because if you're a guest with us or you've just joined us this morning for the first time, you've come at a really exciting time. We're, we're a bigger family. We've, a, we've adopted a church up at Taramara. And so like you do most families, when you get an adoptee into the mix, a new brother or sister comes into the house, when the kids are just learning out the lay of the land. I don't know about your parents, but my parents were like that. Uh, they would always say, look, we're Haddons and in our household, this is the way that we do things. Anyone have parents like that? And so we've, that's what we've been doing. We've, we've been saying this, this, is, this is what makes Northside Northside. So if you're a guest with us this morning, you've come at a, a great morning to get a sense as to who we are as a church. Uh, particularly if there are any guests from Northside Baptist this morning, uh, Northside Baptist Church around the corner has got their church camp on. And so uh, Graham recommended that any of his church that had to stay behind, we're sorry for you. Welcome. Welcome to our church. Um, but I, I just want to say we are so grateful for you guys and for Graham's leadership and, and your heart for the kingdom as brothers and sisters in the journey. So we, we constantly pray for you. Great to have you with us. So you get to see what we're all about. And, and as a church, uh, our, our core values have been this, that we want to be a church that always points people to Jesus. We want nothing to get in the way of someone searching for God and God except the question, who is Jesus? We also want to be a church that accepts people where they are and helps them to become all that God has designed them to be. We want to be a church that communicates uncluttered Christianity. We're happy to have a bit of a laugh, keep it simple, keep it real from the platform here. Last week we learned that we want to be a church that wants to just serve the people, to meet the needs of the community around us and address injustices. This morning what we're going to talk about, if, if I feel like I say this every week, but if you don't get this one, okay, forget the rest. If you don't get this one, then forget the rest. In fact, how you see what we talk about this morning has the potential to totally shape the trajectory and the atmosphere of your Christian life. So we live in an era where I think people are getting less and less concerned with our ideas of Christians, as Christians. Uh, we live in an area where people don't want to hear from us. People are more concerned with who we are as people than we are as Christians. And so wouldn't it stand a reason then that we want to be the sort of place that gets people in front of people rather than get people in front of our ideas? 
and one of the real reasons around that too is just the, the multitude of different ideas around what it means to be a Christian. Let me put it this way. If I said to you, golden arches, what would come to mind? You're hungry. They do all, all day breakfast. Yeah. Uh, fresh food people? Christian? Church, north side? I, heard, I think I heard about 10 different answers then. Um, haven't you found that if you, if you went and asked the question of 100 different people what it means to be a Christian, you'd probably get 100 different answers. In fact, there's lots of confusion around what it means to be a Christian. Some of you would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I went to a church once and I prayed that prayer. (laughs) Some of you would say, I'm a Christian because of my brand of Christianity. Those those Anglicans, those Pentecostals, those Catholics, those megachurch styles, they're not the real Christians. We're the real Christians, Church of Christ. (laughs) Or maybe there are some here who would say, oh, I was a Christian. But with all the junk that was associated with that label, I'm just spiritual these days. I'm searching. So no matter which way we look at it, there's about 15, 50 different answers that we could have when it comes to the question, what is a Christian? I think it's because over time and over history, the church has done an amazing job at mucking up the definition of Christian, and more importantly, um, stripping uh, the definition of Christian way away from the way that Jesus intended the definition first to be. You know, in fact, if you read the New Testament, you can only find the word Christian three different times. So Christians didn't think of themselves as Christians way back in the day when it started with Jesus. In fact, Jesus sets it up for us in this passage where he says here, here's his definition. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make... Oh, you've read this one before. Notice how he doesn't say, therefore, go and make a Bible. Therefore, go and make a church. Therefore, go and make... A theological statement. Notice how he doesn't say that? And here's, I think, the reason why. I think it's because Jesus came to make a difference, not a point. Jesus wanted to get people in front of people. Not people in front of his ideas. And it's the thing that frustrates the living daylights out of me. It's the way... We as Christians so could be so consumed with making our point in society. <laughs> you know, it's not like in his commandment in John's gospel that we'll read in a little bit later, that Jesus says, Oh, this commandment I give to you, believe in this theology. <laughs> this commandment I give to you, make sure your theology is pure. He 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 doesn't he doesn't say that. But we as Christians all the time sit and stand upon that which we believe is the thing that makes us different. Part of that reason, I believe, is that we as Christians find it far easier to believe than to behave. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong, I'm going to get you confused with something I say all the time because I often say, some people are already saying it. Oh, but Sam, you say, you know, belong before you believe and you can believe before you behave. And I do, but here's the thing you can belong before you believe, but so many Christians belong and then they believe and then they stay there. <laughs> and they think that it's the believing that makes them. A Christian. 
And what we're seeing from Jesus here is that it's not the believing that makes you a Christian. In fact, a Christian is happy with just believing. A disciple is not happy until they make a difference. So that is why we want to be a community that equips healthy followers of Jesus to be God's representative wherever they're at. Because we want to, we want to rebrand the brand. Uh, we want to be absolutely laser-focused. Dallas Willard, a, a great philosophical writer, said, uh, aim at getting a healthy church and you might get disciples, but aim at disciples and you're going to get a healthy church. So that's why we do this. We're not perfect at it. But you'll see over the coming years, everything that we're doing, our groups and Alpha and all the stuff that we do, all of that's within a framework that's single-mindedly pointed towards doing this. Because if you ask the followers of Jesus who they were back then when they were hanging around Jesus, who are you? What do you do? They'd say, not I'm a Christian, but I'm a disciple. Mathetes, the Greek there. English word is similar to the Greek word. Mathetes literally means an, an apprentice. A, a, a studier, someone who is under a follower. Now, that's different from a Christian, isn't it? Does that sound different from Christian, from the answers that we all had? It's wildly different from Christian. And so that's as simple as that. Just be a follower. Simple. That's it, right? Just follow Jesus. <laughs> but do we? It's, it's like it's like it's a... Churches can't help themselves but drift from this definition of being a follower of Jesus. It's like when I was a, when I was a kid, I, I used to play a game called Simon Says. Have you heard of that game? In fact, I know it was when I was a kid because there's no app on the iPhone for the game. <laughs> it's just old school. <laughs> okay? And so Simon Says, you remember Simon Says, put your hands on your knees. Simon Says, put your hands on your head. Uh, really simple, Simon Says, that's, that's what you do. The funny thing is, when it comes to the church, Jesus says, is a totally different game. <laughs> Jesus says, and we memorize it. We study it. It's like, it's like if I said to my little guy, Zach, who's five, go and clean your room. And he says, okay, Dad. He goes away. He comes back two hours later. Dad, I remembered what you said. You said, go clean your room. I know it in Greek. <laughs> in fact, Dad, you know, I got a couple of friends together and we formed a small group, a connect group, and we decided to get together and have a discussion around what it would look like if I cleaned my room. <laughs> Simple, right? So the real question is not are you a Christian? The real question is are you a disciple. And that's a terrifying question when you start thinking about it. Because it has all sorts of implications for us as followers. And there's a big difference. The world knows that there's a big difference between Christians and disciples. They feel it. They don't need to know it. They feel it. So your question is, well, how do I know? How do I know that I'm a disciple? How can I work all of this out? A couple of quick questions we should always, in this place, be asking each other. First one is this. Who are you learning from? 
In Mephetes, if it's a disciple, if you're underneath someone, a disciple is someone who says, I've got this decision to make. How would you do it, teacher? I'm not sure. Okay, that's how I will do it. A disciple is someone who says, I need to get some wisdom around what this choice should be. What would you choose if you're in this situation? Okay, I'm going to do it. A disciple says, okay, where are you headed, teacher? I just want to be with you. Okay, that's where I'm going. So here's what a a disciple is. A disciple is someone who says, I want your wisdom. I want your guidance. I want your leading. But before you even give me the answer, the answer is yes. Yes, 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 yes. That's, That's the answer. Before you even open your mouth, yes. Totally reoriented around the leader. I'd say to that, uh, forget trying to be like Jesus. <laughs> and I was only thinking that because I don't know about you, but I have enough trouble leading myself. I have enough trouble being me. Just ask Kristen. I'm moody. I change my mind all the time. I'm not sure what I really want. I get obsessive compulsive and then I'm not interested in that anymore. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to learn how to be like Jesus. I just need to learn how to be like myself. I need help with leading me. That's why it's that, remember that, that great time in Christendom? There was, there was, there was just a great outpouring of God and this, this message swept through the countryside of Christendom with these embroidered bands that had four letters on them and it, and it had WWJD, remember that? <laughs> remember what, what, what they say again? What would Jesus do? What would, you, what would Jesus do? That is the dumbest advice that could have ever swept through Christendom. Not what would Jesus do? It's not what would Jesus do? Because we have enough troubles leading ourselves. The real question is, in the face of a situation, how would Jesus lead my life if he were I? See the difference? And you know what the really good news is, if it's not WWJD? The really good news is, If you don't even know Jesus this morning, you can meet him now where you're at. It's great news because you don't have to get all your life all together and and, and try and pretend to at least look like you can be a Christian. There's that word again, fake definition, get all your stuff together in order to follow him. Jesus just wants to meet you where you're at and to lead you into the best version of yourself that you could possibly be. He created you. Why would he want to make another him when he made you? He just wants to make a you that lives under the guidance and the leadership and the discipleship of him. So not WWJD. Who, who, are, you, who are you learning from? It means any, any given week, you come in, who are you learning from? And if you say Sam, <clears throat> wrong answer. We all learn from Jesus to live our lives how he would lead them if he were us. I don't even know if the grammar of that's right, but I'm moving to the next point. <laughs> not, only who are you, not only who are you learning from, but, but here's a critical one. Who are you loving that's not like you? Ooh. This wonderful verse in John's Gospel. I said it before. Jesus on his last night. Can you imagine his last night with the disciples? All of it is, is crystallizing down to this point. He's got limit, He's got sentences left. To, to share with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And this is what he says. A new command I give to you. Forget everything I've said to you guys. Just this. Love one another. 
as I've loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, here's the definition, by this everyone will know. By your love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. (laughs) Jesus says, I want you to love people who are radically different from you. And the logic of what he says here is so absolutely reasonable because he says if you don't love people that are different from you, he says it in Luke chapter 6 as well, he says if if you love people that are only those that like you, well, how's that any different from the non-Christians in the world? Everyone can love people that they like. Only my people supernaturally can love people that are different from them. And if you don't, then all you become is like these wonderful organisations that are all around the world, they're called clubs. Tennis clubs and bridge clubs and poker clubs and anything that unites people just because of their common interest. But the minute you deviate from that common interest, you're not in the club anymore. (laughs) But Christians, followers, Christians in the purest sense of the word are supposed to be the sort of people that open their lives up and share and sacrifice to and are amongst and rub shoulders with and do coffee with and serve with people they don't like. What a wonderful, wonderful picture. So Jesus says, of course it's easy to love those that you like, but who are you loving that is not like you? That is the sort of thing that's going to make you different from the world around you. And so the first question, not only who are you learning from, but then who are you loving that you don't really like? You don't have to name names too, by the way, when you do this. (laughs) But the third one, who are you leading? Who are you leading? Jesus says, therefore... Go and make disciples. And then this guy, Paul, who Time Magazine puts down as the second most influential person in history behind Jesus Christ. Time Magazine says this. Paul says it so wonderfully. He simply says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We've got a saying in this church that simply says, MD, 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 MD. In other words, make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. I had a youth pastor who said, you've never done your job as a Christian or as a discipler until you see someone that you've led to Christ leading someone else to Christ. Have we done that? What this means is, what this means is that when you turn up to church, you're not a participant, you're an investor. You're a participator. I've got to ask you this week, who who in in your life, if you call yourself a mature Christian, have you invested into this week? Jesus says, go to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's all Christianese words for this. He says, simply just immerse people in the wonderful, fully orbed nature of God. Who's been in your life that you've said, have you seen this in God? Have you seen that part of it? Can you believe this in the word? How is this challenging you? How is he helping you? Have you had that sort of life this week? And it doesn't need to be rocket science. It's why we're constantly going on about connect groups. You can do that in connect group. You can do that mentoring. You can do that over a coffee with someone. We're in like the mecca of coffee in this place. This should be like discipleship heaven in Crow's Nest in the 21st century. But simply, who, who are you investing into? Can you see how this definition squeezes us a little bit? Are you a Christian or are you a disciple? Because Jesus said pretty simply, a new command I give you, love one another. And by that, the world will know the true definition 
of Christian. Love one another. He says, I want you guys, you 12, I want you guys to love each other so much that when people look outside in your relationships, they just go, wow, that's incredible. I want them to look in there and say, look at how they love. Jesus says, follow me. And I want, I want you all to create communities of compassionate, radically non-like-me loving communities that, that have people going, I can't believe they're like that. Look at how they love. Look at how they treat women. Look at how they, they treat people of all ethnicities. Look at how they treat men. Look at how they even treat the kids. What, what, what a beautiful community. Jesus says, go out and, and do that. And, and as a result, you'll create a community that will begin to grow and grow and grow. And, and it will impact the world. And eventually, someone really clever somewhere is going to call it, I don't know, church. But don't ever let church take you away from the definition that I give you here. Love each other. Love each other so beautifully that people can't help but look in and say they have to belong to that Jesus guy. And in fact, people who are outside of the church or not part of your community can come to the edges and they can peer in through an invitation of a friend or a website in the 21st century and they can look in there and they can feel absolutely confident that that bunch of people are not going to shout them down or cast them out or pass judgment on them, but they're going to feel loved and accepted. And even if they want to reject me, even if they don't want to be, have anything to do with that thing called Christianity, they'll say this, I don't know if I want to be a Christian or I could ever be a Christian, but I'd sure love to have one in my life. And the beauty is for them, if that happens... I'll be there. Because at the end of the passage, he says, and I will be with you until the end of the age. And so people don't have to come to church to get Jesus because where you are is where Jesus is. And the universality and the great mystery of this incredible religion that swept the world that is Christianity is that Jesus is now universalized into the 45th floor of the Australia Square Tower building this week. Or, or into a mum's group as, as everyone's trying to work out how they do that thing called parenthood. <laughs> or a university or a school because Jesus is where you are. And that's why we want to be a church that equips healthy followers of Jesus. <laughs> so, are you a Christian? Yeah, sure, sure. But are you a disciple? Are you learning from him? Are you loving those different from you? Are you leading someone else into that reality step by step. And can you imagine? Can you imagine what would happen if, if we got this? Can you imagine what would happen if we rebranded the brand and people were able to peer in and go, wow, these guys look so incredibly different? Can you imagine what it'd be like if, if ev everyone played their part this week? You thought you were just turning up for church. You're not. It's, it's locker room. We're, we're, we're getting ready to be Jesus where we are. And like we say each week, in the smallest of small, I don't care how small you want to record it, Sydney will be a little bit different because of your presence, your loving presence in the world. And Christianity, maybe not in the life of everyone across the papers, but in that one person's life, Christianity is being rebranded as you love people as you go. Are you a Christian? Sure. Are you a disciple? That question pushes in on us all, myself included. So I don't want you to forget this as we finish off this series. 
you are your church. Church is not the ministry team. It's not our little DNA sketches. It's not a sermon series. You are your church. You're our church. You're the reason why I love our church because, I don't know, we're a church that seems to get most of this stuff that we have to preach. We're not perfect, but we certainly get it. But you are your church. So if there's bits of your church that you don't like, what are you doing about it? But I don't know about you, but I'm like me. I'm going to have enough issues leading myself this week. So I prefer to stick with the definition of Christianity or Christian as a disciple. I have enough issues leading myself. And so I want to be the sort of person who just learns to follow Jesus and to have him lead my life if he were I. And if you're not quite there yet, if you're those sorts of people you know, that have looked at Christianity and you're frustrated at it, you've been hurt by it, Maybe the sort like so many that think, you know what, Christians, they're just judgmental moralists who's on their high horse that think they're right and everyone else is going to hell. You know, if, 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 if people somewhere have done that, if we've done that as a church, I, I want to say I'm sorry. But the great truth of this definition is wherever you sit, you can start today. And it doesn't matter whether we've been doing this for years, maybe we've been running the wrong definition, we can start today to follow him. We want to be a church that equips healthy followers to be God's representative. You, you fireflies, you salt, you light, to be God's person wherever you are this week. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.